It's the Get Off My Lawn podcast for the week of November 1st, 2015. On tonight's program, we'll hear Tessa Suter say, Aside from having my child, that was the best weekend of my entire life. It was absolutely the most incredible, ridiculous. There are people that live like that all the time. (laughs) But uh, for us, it was just crazy. And Paul Majors tells us about his vinyl fetish. Uh, Is there anything I would recommend? This podcast is sponsored by a good nap. When you reach a certain age, there's just nothing better than a good nap. I'm your announcer, Craig, and here's your genial host, Kevin. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to yet another Get Off My Lawn podcast. I am your genial host, Kevin, and sitted, sitted, sitted. I Next am, to me, I'm sitted. You are right sitted here. Past tense of sit is That's sitted. Right. Present. Right. I don't know. Hey, say hi, Craig. Hello. There he is. And uh, I, I guess we should probably have something witty to say at this point. Witty to say? Witty. Well, we're witty. still waiting for all of your product recommendations. We are constantly we are, awaiting that. We have a lot of pithy remarks ready to go for those products. Here, here's what happens, people. Craig has a day job. I have, a, I have a well, I have a night job, but it's technically my day job, and we would like to devote our full attention to this podcast. Absolutely, this should be our own independent source of income. Craig should be able to support his full family and the lavish lifestyle of which he is, you know, accustomed. That's right. And I should be able to afford what's the word shoes. <laughs> Kevin needs some shoes, people. Kevin needs some. In fact, if you look down to your left, you will see a pair of brown work shoes. They're actually glued together right now because, well, that's just how it goes. Not to sound like the hobo that I'm fast on my way of becoming, but I bought them a couple months ago, and normally work shoes are supposed to last like six to eight months, and these aren't. So I had to do a little patch job. Hey, you know what? When you're wearing work shoes, you don't want to have to keep investing, so patching... It's all good. So and it's holding together, but yeah, I I would like to have some sort of revenue so that maybe I wouldn't need work shoes. So that maybe we could be recording this on a beach somewhere. Or, now you're talking. You know, in a in a bar, or really for both Craig's and my benefit, someplace with air conditioning. <laughs> some of the basics. <laughs> some of the basics would be good to have. So I know we've been repetitive in this, but really, ladies, gentlemen. Uh, we don't want to ascribe gender terms. This is the 21st century now. But whoever you are... People. People. Well, again, that might be putting too much that's on That's true. It. Humans, there, dogs, yeah, there's, cats. Well, there's that monkey that's now suing for selfie rights. Oh, Have you gosh. seen that one? No. It's like PETA. No, it's not PETA. Somebody, ASP. Somebody is suing on behalf because some monkey got a hold of a cell phone at a zoo or at a wild animal park. And his, self, his, his selfie went viral. He managed to take a picture and post it. And it has since gone on. You know, hundreds of thousands of people have posted this. And now someone is suing on the monkey's behalf. Because for, he owns the because image? Because he owns Because he took the picture? Because he took the picture and it is of him. But it doesn't matter that he first stole a cell phone? Look, theft in pursuit of <laughs> selfie is no crime. And so Can now- you imagine the legislation that's coming our way? <laughs> What's the? I forget what amendment would be next. Is it thirty six amendment? I don't know how many amendments we have to our constitution, but can you imagine the monkey selfie amendment being put on? <laughs> but again, if the monkey ends up winning the lawsuit and gets himself some cash, that monkey could sponsor us. That's right, and we'd be happy to have him. We, you know, my guess is he'd be paying us in bananas, but whatever, that's fine too. 
It's You'll a, notice in it's the background, the super yeah, food, an action film is being shot behind us in the background right now. Don't think that my housemate and her kids are listening to a movie right now, and we're somehow copyright infringing that by recording it. Not at all. You guys didn't catch that. <laughs> no, you don't know you which movie that nothing is. Nothing at all. Nothing. Too bad that we have sophisticated recording technology here. That's uh, true. <laughs> our guest today is a beautiful woman with a beautiful voice and a beautiful amount of talent. I'm envious of the people who hang out with her. Her name is Tessa Suter. Craig, have you ever heard Tessa's voice? I have not. You are in for a treat. I know you are a man who enjoys a good voice. I really do. This is a jazz vocalist. This is someone who will take a song and really, really make it her own. Uh, she will make you think that she is singing directly to you. One of those voices in the world of jazz you have definitely piqued my interest yeah so we're going to talk to her she is in addition to performing does a lot of arrangements really and like i said this podcast is about sort of creativity and writers and what they do and being able to take a song and arrange it and make it your own there's some creativity involved in that and so i wanted to ask her about it and i've heard her live a couple of times she is actually in california uh has been in california the last couple weeks so i wanted to uh, chat with her and find out uh, what's going on with her life and get some of that information so that's what you're going to listen to right now Craig are you ready to listen I am all right I'm ready to uh, listen even though I've already heard it but I'm gonna listen to it again so here we go I know it's time I know it's time I will forgive and my life without you will be my life to live and I will okay, so here I am. I'm ready. All right, joining me today is an accomplished jazz singer whose vocal stylings have made me melt ever since I discovered her a few years ago. She has performed all over the world, released several CDs featuring creative arrangements and intense lyrics sure to play with your emotions. If that wasn't enough, she's also an author, having written for countless magazines. Her book, Anything I Can Do, You Can Do Better, is available on Amazon. Tessa, thanks for chatting with me today. Oh, thank you, Kevin. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you. I, like I said, I've been a fan for, gosh, I forget when we first discovered each other. It was back when you were planning a trip to Central Asia. Must have been about five years ago now. Okay. It's even been longer. I can't remember. Yeah, it's, it's been a while, but you've, you've traveled all over the place, and certainly with your jazz, you know, music and everything else, uh, you performed in some exotic, even obscure parts of the world. How, how is jazz received in places like Siberia? Really well. I mean, they... The person who um, invited me is a pianist, and so he sort of set up over the years a kind of hunger, if you like, for, he created a hunger for it, and he, I guess he, I don't know how he does it, but there are all these big philharmonic halls, and they're absolutely packed with people, even in really poor sort of areas like Ufa, you know, which is not the richest of cities, and yet the... They're very cultured people. I mean, the whole of Russia. They seem to be extremely cultured. They read, well, you know, from living in Kazakhstan, perhaps, but they, they're very well read. They know a lot about everything. So it's really well received. Yeah, surprising. You've done a lot of creative arrangements. I think the Beyond the Blue CD, was that the one where you took a lot of classical pieces and set some yeah. jazz accompanying to it? What, what's the pro, what was the process like creating those? I was... Uh, the, the guy who owned the label, which is a Japanese label called Venus, he suggested the idea to me because I told him I'd been listening to a classical jazz, a CD of classical songs turned into jazz by Steve Kuhn, who's just amazing. 
And uh, he said, oh, you just give me an idea. You should do your next CD, classical repertoire, your lyrics, with the Steve Kuhn trio. So I was like, okay, thank you, yes, please. So the process was, it was strange because I had a deadline. Well, actually, no, I didn't have a deadline initially. And I, I just, I have a very hard time doing any writing a deadline. So I had to really be extremely disciplined. I just forced myself to sit down every day at the same time with a blank piece of paper and the the songs that I picked, which also took months, because you've got to find songs that you are inspired to write lyrics to. So it was a higgledy piggledy process, a process, I'd say. I took a lot of, you know, like the last, one of the last songs I came up with was, this, was now called Prelude to the Sun, Beethoven's Seventh, I think the second movement. And I heard that, on the plane coming back from England about two weeks before I went into the studio and I still had to come up with material and I watched the King's speech and that was the um, that was I woke up in the middle of the night with that dong dong da dong dong and I was like oh okay that's good I'll do that yeah it's it's just such a unique sort of concept and you really executed it well I thought and just the way that you put your own lyrics, your own spin. Certainly, you you know you you make it very personal, which I like in your music. Thank you. It's it's. I mean, I think the original, if you quote you know part of it, was that it was all the lyrics were written by me. I mean, nine of the twelve songs mm-hmm. were my lyrics, but the other songs, Bobbles, Bangles, and Bees, My Reverie, and um, The Lamp Is Low. They're very famous jazz songs, originally classical. Right. Borrowed, two of them are borrowed in, I think. No, Ravel borrowed in Debussy, those three. So it was, it, yeah, it was, wasn't that terribly an original sort of concept, but the fact that the singer actually wrote the lyrics is, is I can't think of any other albums that are like that. Yeah, like I said, you, you, know, you make it very personal. I think my favorite song of yours is I Know With Time. I heard you sing it live. I want to say it was, I think, at a. Oh yeah, that was a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. and like, yeah, it is just it's just to me it's just a, a powerful, heartbreaking you know piece of jazz, and I it of course it hit me at a time when I was experiencing a lot of those emotions. So it, oh, it, it, yeah, yeah. It, it it just you know you you have that way of making it seem very personal or very intimate when you're performing when you're singing. Is that something you consciously strive to to make that sort of connection, or is it just a byproduct of the jazz itself? Well, no. Yeah, I think today I came across a quote by Miles Davis, which was, "It takes a long time." to learn how to play who you are. <laughs> and I think it's just, it's not a process, but it, it was a long, it took a while for me to be comfortable, I suppose, being myself. And But everything I sing, I mean. I can't sing a lyric or write a lyric that I haven't meant or haven't experienced. And it's kind of like, have you heard of rolfing? You know that thing where they used to, this deep tissue massage and they the theory was that you had lots of experiences that you've had in your life they were still living there in your muscles deep <laughs> down in your muscles and when they did rolfing they sort of rolfed them out uh-huh. well it that music is kind of like that you may not be in that experience that you wrote about anymore but that feeling comes up i mean it was quite often i 
I, you know, nearly in tears by the time I get to the end of that song, <laughs> even though I am actually perfectly happy in my life. It's just that it's just somewhere it's living inside me somehow, so the music yeah. brings it up. But yeah, that's what you that's why you hear it special. And it's not it's not um it's not conscious, it's just I allow it. I think I just allow myself to be have those feelings. Um, you know, you let yourself be vulnerable and you're not embarrassed to show your feelings or or whatever. And if you do cry you just think, Oh well, you know. I used to apologise if I cried sometimes. And people come up to me afterwards and say, "Oh, I cried too." That exact moment. So, so it's fine. You're just all in it together, you know. Oh sure. How uh, how different is it, sort of letting your life experience speak through your music versus the book that you wrote, which is really a collection of kind of how how you became the person that you are. Um, in music, you you're using words, obviously, with lyrics and stuff like that, but you. You really don't, you're, you're almost not using the words. The words are, hmm, how can I explain it? The words are like impressions in a way. And they sort of whip up the atmosphere of something. Whereas a book or an article or something, the words are very... Precise. Well, it's also they're very precise in music too, but some, and they're just doing different things. You're applying, you're appealing to, trying, I guess, directly to the heart and the emotion when you're doing a, a song or a piece of music. But when you're writing, you're more appealing to the intellect. Absolutely, that's exactly what it is. So that's the difference between them. They are quite different. Yeah, it seems. I remember when I was a journalist, I used to think. Phew, so I better not a journalist because otherwise my brain would just atrophy. <laughs> now, of course, I'm not a journalist anymore. My brain is atrophying, so I have to sort of work on that. <laughs> well, I've, what, why or what led you to make the transition from journalism to music? Well, I had always been singing all my life. And as a young person, you know, a teenager, I dreamed, I guess, that I would one day be a singer. But I, had, I got married when I was 16 and had my son. And I just didn't think that, I didn't really see how it was going to be possible, I think. I just still dreamt it. I still would, you know, close my eyes and sing along to things and sort of imagine myself singing to a, you know, an auditorium or something. But I didn't really think that it was going to happen, I, I, I think. I can't really remember. But anyway, years later, after my son had grown up, I was living in San Francisco and my son was an adult by now, and I went to a karaoke bar with a, with a couple of girlfriends, and one of them had been in a band, that's why we went. I said, oh, this is a fun place, we should go here. So we went to the venue, and I sang Cry Me a River, and there was somebody in the audience there who became my friend, and we used to go out every week to hear jazz, and um, he, he said, you really are just too good to not be doing it, because he would hear me singing around, you know, the house and stuff like that. And so he really pushed and bullied me, because I I was very shy. I mean, I'm not a shy person at all, but I was very shy to get up on stage and sing. That, I was terrified out of my wits. <laughs> so I really did have to be pushed and bullied into doing it. But once I got into it, I was kind of hooked, sort of addictive. Just the, just the release 
just the getting up and doing it in front of people and doing it with a band, because you really have to be absolutely present. So it's probably a bit like being a racing car driving driver. You have to be absolutely in the moment. And that, I think, is an addictive process, you know, an addictive feeling. That's why people get addicted to drive, driving fast cars or, <laughs> or playing golf. That's another one that requires you to be absolutely in the moment. And people get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to, you know, play six rounds of golf. So that's why I would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go and sing without thinking, batting an eyelid. I, I, this could just be my own kind of skewed perspective on it, but to me it seems like jazz music more than any other form really requires a level of trust between you as the singer and, and your surrounding musicians. Am I wrong in that? Well, it's funny. You don't really uh, work to establish it. You allow it. So you can, like here on this tour, I've been playing with people I've never laid eyes on until i come to the gig. And... And in some cases, it it just works. And like I was playing with this this guy Josh, Josh Nelson on Sunday night, and it was like he was psychic. I mean, he was making hits I didn't know I was going to make. I wasn't. I didn't know I was going to do it like that. But he somehow knew it was going to come out like that. And that's the great thing about jazz is it's different every time. So to have that kind of it was amazing. It was real chemistry. So when you get that, you're like, okay, thank you. That's amazing. It's really, that is terribly exciting. But it, it, is, it, it is, you do, you definitely require a level of trust. But on the other hand, you're really trusting yourself. You're saying, okay, I'm going to just do it and hope that it works out. But you're not really necessarily trusting the other person. But when you do know the person well, like I play with this wonderful cello player for about 10 years now called Dana Leong. And when we play, I, that level of trust is between us. I don't even need anything. I don't even need to see, say, let's do it like this, this time or anything. We just say, let's just do it and see how it comes out because I know he's going to have my back if I need and he knows I'm going to have his back, I guess. Hmm. It's a bit different when you're a singer. It's more they have your back. And I think the trust from them is that you are going to allow them to, you that you are going to trust them to have your back. That's cool. You know, if they're great, they've already got that. Right. Do you ever perform with your husband? Um, well, he's not actually my sort of special husband. Oh. But I do sometimes. <laughs> and uh, he has recorded with me two albums, and he's going to be on my upcoming album that I'm going to the studio with in November. And he is just one of the best jazz genres in the world. So playing with him is just incredibly exciting. It's just... He's so... I just love his playing so much. He's, he can, he's an extremely soulful player, extremely great with technique, but he doesn't just use it. It's like he has a lot of facility, but he really uses it to express soul and passion. And I always think of him as sort of like nature. His, and I love nature very much, and he is like, the weather, he's like mountains, he's like trees, he's like rivers, he's he's really got that very organic, to me, he's got this incredibly organic feeling, which just 
I love so much. So, yeah, it's a special treat for me when I get to play with them, but I don't get to play with him that much, wow. as much as I'd love. Because yeah. <laughs> he's really busy, you know. I mean, he's sure. like, you know, really great versatile drummer, so he gets called a lot for gigs, and I can't be saying, you come here, do this little gig with me, and third that is big gig. So, so you could really get too, it would be too much, I think, to be playing together and living together and everything together it would just you, you need I like and I think he likes a lot of space I like it in everything I like it in my music I like it in my <laughs> relationships it, so it's uh, I think it's it might get a bit claustrophobic and also he is a very different kind of I mean it's a treat for me but that this music that I do isn't what he does when he has his own music. So, sure. so there's a bunch of reasons why we don't do it all that much, <laughs> but I do love it. When I do, I, I'm just in heaven, yeah. That's very cool. I'm trying to remember if it was back on your Facebook page a while back, you went to the White House? Oh, yeah, that was ages ago, yeah. It's on my, one of my blogs, I have it on my tessasuta.com uh, forward slash blog. I've got a bunch of blogs on that. And, we went to the White House. Up that blog was called Hill Bill and the Folks on the Hill, <laughs> and uh, that was ridiculous. It was the most. I was just saying to you the other day that really, aside from you know having my child, that was the best weekend of my entire life. It was absolutely the most incredible, ridiculous. There are people that live like that all the time, <laughs> but uh, for us, it was just it was crazy crazy treat uh, so yeah we really had a great time that's cool you you mentioned you've, you're going to be working on a new album starting in November can you give a little preview of what it is we're to expect what's what's new what's different What's what are we going to yeah hear? it's going to be a little bit perhaps vibe-wise more like my very first ever album which, I, which is Listen Love which I feel is you know, despite the fact that I had to sort of make it in two parts, you know, I recorded some of it in 2000 and some of it in 2002, you know, for money reasons, mm -hmm. didn't have to get it out till 2004. There's a lot of the stuff on it which is very um, expressive of me, you know. So this is it's going to be a bit more like that. It's going to have that sort of slightly Middle Eastern flamenco sort of vibe as well as, it, you know, it's, it's got a little bit of a sort of folk vibe, but it's also, you know, it's, of course it's jazz because it has improvising and a little, not me improvising necessarily, well, yes, bit, but not like scatting, which I don't really like. Yeah. But um, it's based, it, it's kind of a, it's not exactly a musical memoir, but it's it's based on the experience I, of my life, which was that when I was 12, my mother told me that my father who brought me up was not my father and that my birth father was Spanish and then she told me all these stories about because at the time I was being teased at school for being brown so she, she I said oh is that wine brown she said yes your father was Spanish I was like oh okay and I went to school the next day and I said to my friends oh I'm Spanish and it's in, not my friends the people who were teasing me and they instantly stopped the teasing <laughs> and then um I and then she would tell me all these stories about him. You know, he was a great singer, he was a doctor, his mother was a flamenco dancer. I mean, it was really rather excessive when I think <laughs> back, you know. Now I think, really? That's all those things? But anyway, 
when I was 30, I discovered, oh, and he had died in a plane crash and everything. When I was 30, I found out that that wasn't true, that he was still alive. And uh, I met him. I, I really discovered it by accident. And then I met him, and I discovered then that he was black. And uh, his mother was not a flamenco dancer. <laughs> but when I asked him about that, he just burst out laughing. So I don't know <laughs> if it was his lie to my mom, and he thought it was very funny that she would have believed it, or whether it was my mom, you know. I, and he thought that was funny. Mom, I have no idea. But anyway, he, uh, I, I'm the album is is going to have a little bit of all the different things that I've found out about myself since that time. You know, it's been about you know, a very long time. And I, it's going to have a little bit of Spanish in it because it doesn't matter that I wasn't Spanish. You know, I thought I was Spanish for 15 years or however long it was, and uh, or a bit more than 15 years. So I still have that kind of... I still have that little bit of flamenco in me. And, and then I looked at um, research, different things about slavery. So some of the songs I'm reinterpreting... With just that knowledge, you know, I'm not writing the lyrics or anything, but, like, a, a, there's a song called A Taste of Honey, which really, when I think of it, seems a, would be a very appropriate song about being stolen from Africa and taken across the ICC and never seeing your wife again or whatever. So some of the songs are going to be like that. Some of them are flamenco. That I'm probably going to include Pure Imagination, which will be dedicated to my mother and her wild imagination. <laughs> so it's going to be sort of hodgepodge-ish, but it won't feel like a hodgepodge. A bit like um, Listen Love. doesn't feel... It's just a sort of eclectic mix, but somehow they, you know, like a decorating. You might have a bit of Danish, modern, mixed in with a, you know an Iranian rug or, or whatever, and they somehow all go together. It's just one unified style, and that's what this album is going to be like, I think. Wow. And, it's, and it's also sort of quite universal, because even though my, my story is probably unique, a lot of people have similar stories. They come to me and they say, oh, I found out that my grandfather didn't die after all. They were just divorced, and nobody liked to... Nobody was... You know, admitted people got divorced in those days, so they'd rather say that he had died. You know, so there are a lot of secrets in people's families and family histories. So I think a lot of people identify with the music because I've been doing it live lately, and they people want to come up and share their stories too, which is great. <laughs> That's extra good. I love that. Yeah. All right, Craig. You know what time it is. Here we go. Here we go. It is time for our non-sponsor, so once again we have to do a public service announcement. And you know what I've decided for today's public service announcement? This is going to require cooperation on both of our parts. Excellent. Do you remember Vince and Larry? No. The crash test dummies? Oh, I never knew their names. They were, oh, see, now again, you have to have been an aficionado like I was of having to put dozens of PSAs in the stuff that I did in college. Wow. Okay. So, so we had Vince and Larry. They were wacky crash test dummies and the premise was that they were trying to get you to wear a seatbelt because it wasn't compulsory back then <laughs> all right <laughs> so which which do you see yourself are you a vince or are you a larry Ooh, i'm probably more of a larry you're more of a larry all right then i shall be vince ready here we go hey larry how you doing vince uh, i've been better what's going on well, i was driving you know, like I do. Right. Because that's my job. I'm uh -huh. a crash test dummy. Well, yeah, I knew you were driving. I was sitting right next to you. Right, right. Well, you, you remember what happened, right? 
well, I'm a little groggy. What yeah, happened? We we crashed. Well, yeah. And well, I mean, I'm I'm not in the car anymore, and in fact, I'm not even in one piece. Well, actually, I'm sorry to tell you, but you don't even have a body anymore. Um, that's what I was hoping. Have you seen it? Well. Is it around? It's safety orange. It should be easy to find. Okay. Yours seems to be, what's the word, on fire. I thought it was a little warm in here. <laughs> yeah. So I, is there something we'd like to say to the folks at home? Maybe they should, well, don't, don't, don't buy this car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And certainly don't let anybody put it on a track where you can't steer out of the accident. Exactly. Accident. And don't chain the front of it and then pull us into a brick wall because that's just bad manners. I just want to know uh, when's our first union meeting because this is getting old. It really is. I don't, I I think we might be non-union. What? Yeah, this is Wisconsin. Don't you know we've abolished all unions here? <sighs> yeah. I don't know what to say. My parents are going to be so disappointed. I know. Okay. Well, the next car we're test driving is a Geo Tracker. So this is goodbye. We're screwed. This is the end. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Vincent, Larry, and Scene. <laughs> Sponsor us, please. Please sponsor us. Pretty please. Sponsor us. Pretty please. Pretty please. Back back to the interview. Maybe an, air, maybe an airbag sponsor would be good. <laughs> we heck? got enough hot air. Obviously, a couple of your inspirations. Who are some others that really sort of guide you as, as you work through work your way through this business? Well, I I guess I'm inspired. You know, if I go out and hear live music, I'm always inspired by that. I'm inspired by you know, obviously the classics like Miles Davis or you know Sarah Vaughan. In fact, the more I listen to Shirley Horn, the more I listen to the you know, the so-called, and, and quite rightly, greats, like Sarah Vaughan, Ella Fitzgerald, Carmen McRae. And the more I know about music, the more I learn, you know, from being a musician, the more I appreciate what they're doing. And that that's very exciting. So you're just rediscovering and re, being re-inspired over and over again. But in terms of new music, there's this young woman... Well, probably not that young, actually, but she's incredible. She looks young. She's called <laughs> Yun Sun Na, Y-O-U-N, and Sun, you know, S-U-N, and then N-A-H. And she's Korean, and she lives, I think, in Paris, possibly. And she used to work in fashion. I don't know if she was a journalist, but she's... I, I sort of identify a little bit with her, because she was a journalist, and um, so was I. And... She is a really exciting singer, and it she takes like nine inch nails or just weird music. You wouldn't so it's it's not quite jazz, but it it is in a sense because mm-hmm. she's obviously improvising. And it is it's I love her. I I went saw her 
when she was at the Blue Note not long ago. And she knew who I was, which I was just over the moon. I couldn't oh, believe sure. it. She gave, she gave me three albums of hers. <laughs> but she's, she is... I really, really admire... And it reminds me, you don't have to fit in a... It's not about fitting in a mold or being easy to sell. It's just being you. you. That's, more, that's the best thing you can be is yourself. And if you do that, in a way, it doesn't matter if anyone buys it or not. Because you're really... It, that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it because you... Or you need to express yourself, and she's a reminder of that, and it's beautiful. I I think what she does is just beautiful. I'll have to check her out. Yeah, check her out because she's she's really a lovely soul. I think hmm. beautiful person. Do you have anything to do with the uh, sort of production and distribution aspects of your albums, or is that something you entrust to other people? Um, well, my first one I produced, Listen Love and, you know, printed and all that kind of business. It's very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would know better how to do it now. My second one was a Japanese label. I just went in, sang, left. That was yeah. it. They nice. did everything. <laughs> that was very relaxing. Sort of relaxing, because you well, you didn't have any choice. You just thought, okay, well, that's how that goes. Yeah. And and I love that album. It's called Nights of Key Largo. And actually, it's available now on Amazon, suddenly, just lately. It's been out since 2008, but it was never available here. But now, at least, you can buy it on Amazon. Hmm. And then um, Obsession, which is my third album on the Motema label, but my first for them. That, I did all the, you know, I did all the producing, really went to the studio, um, chose the material, etc., and the musicians, but they, I had to give up a lot of the control to the label in terms of packaging and pictures that they chose and all that kind of business. So, and that was fine, you know, you just have to say, okay, well, if that's your taste, it might not necessarily be <laughs> how I would do it, but then it's going to be somebody else's taste, so okay. Now I think I would feel differently. Now I would think, well, it's my album, so perhaps it should be my taste. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the time, I was like, oh, okay. And then Beyond the Blue, that came out first in Japan, and then they, the label here licensed it. So they, they had quite a lot to do with sort of doing different things to it, remixing and all that kind of stuff, which was also fine. And they did all the promo and on, on that album and obsession. This one, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with. Whether I'm going to make it myself, and I'm going to have a master, and then I might shop the master to a label. Right. But I don't know whether I'll do it to the label I've been working with, or if they even would be interested. I'm not sure, or whether I'll try different label or even no label, put it out myself. I'm still undecided. But there's a lot to be said for having full artistic control, I think. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm sort of, I don't really know yeah. about how I'm going to do this next one. But they all have their benefits. You know, each time you do something, you have, you know, one, I like, like I say, they, I liked the process of all of them, except perhaps the first one, which really was extremely stressful to do it because it was my first one. I'd never done it before. I didn't know anything. Right. So I learned on the job, and that was a very expensive lesson and <laughs> a lot of work, an awful lot of work. 
that's you know more life experience, I suppose, is what it comes exactly. down to. Exactly, <laughs> more life experience, which is good. And this, and this, listen, I'm, this will be my fifth album. I, I think I know a bit about how to do you know, do stuff in the studio and save money, and so I think it should be the easiest. I'm hoping it's going to be the easiest one. I feel as if this album really wanted to be made by somebody. And so it's going to be made by Hooker by Crook, and I'm so grateful that it chose me to be its maker, kind of, and I'm just going to be the channel for it. That's how it really feels. I'm going to be the channel for this album. And it's going to... Some songs come out like that, too. You think, oh, okay, that's what that song was about. It really wanted to be written, and thank you for coming through me, you know. It's sort of more universal than me, somehow, I think, this next album. So all the more reason to be hands-off and... <laughs> Who better to be hands-off for this baby, if you like, than me? Whereas if somebody else kind of was involved, you can't have too many people channeling, you know what I mean? You can't have too many psychics in right. one room. <laughs> it would confuse people. <laughs> well, I look forward to hearing that album. I, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm heartbroken that I wasn't able to make your show this week because I really, really oh, wanted to. That's, I, I, it was you, fun. We had a lot of fun. I'm, I used to live like two miles from there, and so I'm like, oh, no, you I could do it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was an incredible house. I mean, it was this ridiculous house. I can't believe that people are so lucky to live somewhere like that. Yeah. Well, I thank you for taking the time to chat with me. I know that you are busy touring and doing things and getting from place to place, so I thank you for taking a couple minutes here with me today. Thank you very much for asking me. It's great. Well, uh, anything to say in closing, anything to promote? Where are you going to be in November that I can uh, tip people off to? People can always look on my website, tessasouter.com, T-E-S-S-A-S-O-U-T-E-R.com. And actually, next Saturday, as or Friday, because I'm being interviewed on KTSM Radio, mm. they're doing a desert island jazz with me, which I've just dream come true to be on one of those type shows sure telling everyone my favorite music so i'm very excited about that and so the, but uh november i'm i haven't got anything planned i'm going into the studio so right. everything for the next two or three months probably is just going to be about the album because i really want to have that in my hand the master of it in my hand by christmas well, I do recommend that any, anybody that gets a chance should give you a listen. I think you see, I, I promote you on Facebook when I see you share stuff, you know, where I you're going to be. I know you do. I just, Thank you so much. I, I really admire the way that you put yourself out there, and I just think that, you know, you, you're seeing your shows, hearing your shows, it's an experience. And, again, I thank you for talking with me here today, and I look forward to hearing you sing again soon. Thank you, Kevin. You have a great you afternoon. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Okay, bye. Bye now. It's time once again for our shameless pandering to hipsters and audiophiles alike. Here's Kevin with today's Vinyl Fetish. Yes, it is time once again for the Vinyl Fetish segment of the program. But first, I do want to again thank Tessa Suter for joining us and recommend that everybody check her out. Either go to her website, www.tessasuter.com, and check out her music there. I know she's got some videos up there on YouTube as well. Add her on Facebook, again, T-E-S-S-A-S-O-U-T-E-R. You can find her and find out all about her. Most importantly, check her out live when she is 
singing in your area. It is quite a show. Believe me, it is quite a show. Speaking of speaking of shows, quite a show is going to be next week's show where we will be featuring an interview with Paul Majors. For those of you who are not familiar with the name, if you are not from the Southern California area, Paul Majors is the head anchor of CBS 2 News and KCAL Channel 9 News. Yes, he anchors two newscasts here in Southern California, and he is the real deal. Don't know how better to describe him. We actually, and when I say we, both Craig and I sat down and interviewed him. The full interview will be available again on next week's podcast, but right now, here's his vinyl fetish. As you're driving around when Coast to Coast isn't on, is there any music that you really enjoy playing? I really have an eclectic taste in music. I mean, I like everything from... I I like standards from the 40s and 50s. Huge Sinatra fan. Oh, yeah. Um, Are you annoyed? I don't know if you have Sirius XM. Are you annoyed that Seriously Sinatra doesn't only play Sinatra? They have to throw in all the other... I I really don't, because I'm not in the car very much, so I really don't listen to music in the car. On the way to work, I'll have... Sadly, I'll have KNX News Radio on <laughs> just in case something Keep happens things, that I need yeah. to know about when I get That's to work. Because I'm not in the car long enough. Right. Um, but on my iPad and my computer and stuff and here at home. Um, it's, but it's an eclectic, like I said, taste in music. I, I like a lot of different things. Uh, is there anything I would recommend? No, nah, everybody can find their own way. They don't need my help. <laughs> Fair enough. Is there yeah. a Sinatra song you like more than any of the others? Summer Wind. Summer Wind. That's yeah. a good one. And I don't know if you guys saw the special recently. I believe it was on HBO. Oh, right. Yeah, they did that whole... Fascinating. Yeah. The whole background. You know, he actually liked having in the studio the band around him. Uh, one of the few people not to work in a booth. He was actually out in the studio with the orchestra of the band. And he liked being in the middle of it. And it was a very unusual way to do things, but it just made him feel more in touch with the music. Because, I mean, his voice really did yeah. enhance the music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the yeah, versions, sure. yeah. I think it was a Capitol Records album where you can actually hear him in between cuts directing the band. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I want these guys to come in on this bar, let these guys to do this, these yeah. guys, let's go. And he counts them down and they do it. It's yeah. all, you can tell it's all happening right there. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, happening it, live it, in for studio. For anybody listening, if you can find that special, the special was really, really yeah, interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the name of it because yeah. I did watch, I think I watched all of it. And I've seen a couple of the other things that they do. Their Rat Pack DVD that came out where they found the archive from like 50 years ago. Uh-huh. Where it was Frank Dean and Sammy and then Johnny Carson was the MC. As just as a classic those guys show. In Vegas. I know. Uh, my mom got to see Frank in Vegas. My dad was a part of uh, uh, executive management with 7-Eleven for years. And they had some reason to be there. And my dad got tickets for them. And my mom said, I could have touched his shoe. Huh. You know, she said it was a great show. Can you imagine, though, those guys, who they were, the access they had to whatever, yeah, the money that they had to back up, only enhance the access, sure, the stardom, the fame. Imagine the crap they got away with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I was pointing out to him back, as we were... Back in Vegas in yeah, those days. Yeah. And yeah. no one was there to rag out. That's right. Well, and yet I was pointing out to him as we were coming up Sunset... Uh, where Hamburger Hamlet used to be. And yeah. where Dean Martin had every lunch there every day for like the last 30 years of his life. That was where you could find him, just sitting in his booth, having his burger and fries and whatever. Yeah. And it's like, you would think that at a certain point he could do whatever he wanted and go where, wherever he wanted, but then you think, well, that's fine. He you know, likes his burger. He likes to be there. Yeah. He's going to do what he wants. Yeah. He's in, I loved his show. Yeah.
There you go. That was Paul Majors. Again, he will be featured next week on this here Get Off My Lawn podcast. The interview is very informative, but it is also a ton of fun. I highly recommend it, as I recommend you tell a friend about this podcast. Please send them to our Twitter, Get Off My Lawn Pod. Please add us on SoundCloud. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. Hey, leave a comment for us on iTunes if you haven't already done so. Rate the podcast over on the iTunes store. Give us a bunch of stars. Tell us how much you enjoy the podcast be nice to us be gentle i understand that it's the internet and people have a uh, predisposition to be unkind on the internet but you can be a part of that change go to the itunes store recommend us say something nice about us and in return i don't know craig will come to your house and make you tacos he enjoys making tacos so uh rate us highly and maybe craig will uh make you tacos i'm i'm this is never going to happen. He's not making you tacos. Uh, but you never know. Dream dream big, as, as we always say. Dream big. And until then, get off my lawn. This has been the Get Off My Lawn podcast, brought to you by nobody yet. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Get Off My Lawn Pod. Check out our SoundCloud at Get Off My Lawn Podcast or subscribe to us on iTunes for the latest episodes. Questions or comments? To suggest a guest or to offer us fat wads of cash in exchange for promotional consideration, our email address is getoffmylawnpod at gmail.com. The theme was composed and performed by Brian Weideman. Check out his music at www.worldbride.com. That's W-O-R-L-D-B-R-I.com. The logo was designed by Julie Contreras at Urban Bird Design. Go to urbanbirddesign.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend.